All right, everybody, once again, it's time to go inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Tavallaro, and with me, back from special assignment, is our good friend Kelly Grayson, KG. Welcome back. Hey, it's good to be back, man. Louisiana is not prepared for ice storms. Uh, It doesn't matter how little you get. We're just not prepared for it. I did make the comment last week on last week's show that... uh, the only you only got you're out there handling snowmageddon for uh, world famous Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only got about an inch and a half of snow, but you can be rest assured that it has the appropriate amount of Cajun spice. Yeah, yes, it does. It it does. Uh, that that's what we use for traction. We just throw down a little cayenne pepper and uh, helps us helps us get traction on the on the minuscule amounts of ice and snow that we get. Well, I mean, I mean, Texas is the same way, though. I mean, they got their butts yeah. kicked last week, and you know, we're going to have EMS Chief Ernie Rodriguez on in in a week or so from also Travis County EMS to talk to us about the challenges that they had down there in Texas, because I think that that was a, a really devastating uh, event for Texas. But the problem mm-hmm. is, is they're not set up for snow removal. They're not set up for those things either, right? Not at all. So yeah. it, it's so it's really challenging. This happens once, uh, you know, every so often. You don't invest in those things. But uh, we'll talk about that with Ernie, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we always have a good time when he joins us on the show. But, Kelly, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit angry today. I'm, I don't know that I'm angry. I, I try to control my emotions, but I'm a little bit angry today. But uh, <laughs> uh, Why? Uh, let me tell you why. So I've got a friend of mine uh, who's an EMS leader, and his uh, service is uh, – I'll, I'll remain nameless. I'll keep him named. Well, we had a nice little argument last night about him investing – uh, over $50,000 to get some uh, ultrasounds for his ambulances. Good for him. And, and then he's talking about the training uh, that they're, they're going to need to do. And I, I was asking him how much is that going to cost. And then I went on my rant about uh, that uh, ultrasounds have no benefit in the field. And then as a paramedic, it doesn't really help my job. It just delays my treatment. And we had a nice little discussion about it. And, uh, you know, my whole thing about... Uh, you know, when you have a difference of opinion of someone, whether it's religion, whether it's politics, whether it's ultrasounds in the field, my job isn't to convince you uh, that I'm right or wrong. It's just to share my opinion. But I want to argue with you about it because I know that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> well, would you would you like me to give you a moment to, to shake your fist, waggle your fist and, and tell us kids to get off your lawn? Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. I do. You're, you're, doing, you're actually doing too much talking now. So let me you're know. like the, the EMS Luddite, man. What, <laughs> what is it with you and technology? You know, you kids these days with your fancy stethoscopes and your and your your motorized ambulances. And by God, we were grateful to have it the way we did it. Oh, right. man. But what you know, is I mean, the problem with ultrasound, Sebolero? The, the problem, you know, to me, is there a need for EMS to have ultrasound? I want to know this. I'll ask you this question. What does it benefit me in the field as a paramedic to use this device? Here's here's my scenario, right? We get a call. There's a trauma, you know, a car accident. Uh, um, you know, somebody's going to have birth. We're going to, we're going to, we have to intubate somebody. I mean, wherever we could use this, what benefit does it give me? to have this knowledge based on this piece of technology? How does it change my ability to do my job to know that there's blood filling up in the abdomen except wasting the time that it took me to figure out that there was blood filling up in the abdomen? 
And this is what I don't understand. I don't understand how this changes my practice of care, how this changes my practice of treatment, how it changes my practice of management by having this piece of device. Well, let me let me counter with a question of my own. What about knowing if a patient was having a STEMI via 12-lead EKG changed your treatment for a patient with this, uh, with presumed ischemic chest pain? I'm Did doing you, it on the way. I'm doing it on the way. Do I but, need to sit there in the house to do it? No. Do you need anytime to sit I, there in the house to do an ultrasound? Every time I've gotten the an ultrasound, takes five minutes. Every time most. I've gotten an ultrasound, they keep telling me not to move. Uh, well, uh, you kind of have to not to move uh, when you take an EKG or, Come on, or Kelly, otherwise Kelly. you get a noisy data. <laughs> How many times have you done a 12-week EKG going down the road at 70 miles an hour? I'm sorry, 65 miles an hour. Well, you know, here's the thing, man. In, in, in a city, in an urban environment where you can throw a rock at any compass point and hit a level one trauma center and the most important fluid you carry is diesel fuel, maybe – Ultrasound is a nice toy to have, but but has some limited utility. I, I still don't know if I buy that. But certainly in in rural and suburban environments, or in in uh, in uh, flight medicine, uh, where the, your acuity level of your patients is typically somewhat higher, um, I, I don't uh, I don't agree with your argument that that it's not going to change what you do, even if it doesn't change what you do, man. I philosophically, I think that is never a problem to know more about your patient. Um, <clears throat> we, we know more about our patients with when we do a 12-lead EKG, yet we're not typically administering thrombolytics in the field. We don't have a cath lab in the back of our ambulance. But knowing more about our patients is going to benefit the patient in the long run. It's I can, activate, I can activate the cath lab. I can activate the cath lab with that 12-lead EKG knowledge. What do, yeah, I do with, and what, do I do with the, what do I do with the ultrasound data? I can save the patient an ultrasound in the emergency oh, department. If we can do this is that in the, the only argument? Is that the only argument? Is no, it's not the only argument. Not the, it's not the only argument there, you know, uh, ultrasounds in, in cardiac arrest. Can you detect wall movement? Uh, is this really, really fine V fib or is it, uh, is it, uh, true? Really gonna, um, ahead, is, uh, that ultrasound is more accurate than your hands and your ears in detecting a pneumothorax. You know, uh, that, that's notorious, our, our diagnostic tools to, to help us identify pneumothorax, which I think you would agree is, is a life-threatening condition, particularly if tension pneumothorax. Yeah, I mean, uh, in, th in 30 years, I've seen two. Well, well, yeah, 30 years you've seen two with your eyes and ears. Oh, I wonder Jesus how many you Christ. might have missed. Really, I wonder Kelly, how many that, you might have missed. <laughs> I wonder how many you might have uh, caught if you'd had ultrasound. Hmm? I mean, is that, I mean, is it, is is that it, is really it, where you're going to line up on? You're really going to no, say? No, is that not plausible? Look, dude, well, I, I, mean, I, I don't the, know how many patients I had with with uh, with murmurs and and S3 sounds because I and what are you going to do? Auscultating heart tones because I was never formally taught that. How many was that? How many Kelly. patients did I have? How does it help you to know? HHN? How, does, how does it help you to know? I mean, I'm, we're going to be separating. I'm going to have to get a divorce lawyer here. We're, I mean, how many people do you know 
Or I don't even know what the hell I'm trying to say. So when you got somebody that's got an S3 murmur because you weren't taught how to do, and I wasn't taught how to do it, really. And, and we've talked about this, and I just want to jump off this soapbox. Yeah, I just want to jump off this soapbox because I think it's important every time we bring this up uh, for our for our EMS uh, partners out there. Listen to everybody's heart tones, listen to everybody's lung sounds, and figure out what normal is. And then when you start to hear something different, go ahead and ask the doctor when you get there, hey, doc, what is that sound? I don't understand it. And now you've taught yourself S3. Now you've taught yourself Strider. Now you've taught yourself, yourself Ronkai, all those things. So I want to get back on the soapbox. So now when you start to say this about uh, it's going to help me you know, with a pneumothorax, I've got a stethoscope that I can hear pneumothorax that I can hear that that I could hear lung challenges mm-hmm. with. Number two is I've got another great piece of a, a, you know another great piece of equipment called an entitled CO two that's going to help me do that. Oh I don't even, oh, what I don't a mean, newfangled piece of technology that it's you're not willing new, to it's use. It's not newfangled, man. I, I'm hooking them up. It's like putting the pole socks on. I'm doing the same thing. Fifteen years ago, fifteen years ago, it was newfangled. And we have fought for 15 years to get people to adopt its use more more extensively okay. and okay. use it for more things than just tube co- placement I'm, confirmation in a code. I am going to I am going to give you I am going to give you this opportunity. I am going to sit back here. I am going to put myself on mute. I am going to kick my feet up on my desk, and I want you to come into my office as the EMS chief and as the as the knowledge that you have as the paramedic, the educator, the you know the reputation you have in the EMS field, and I want you to sell me the idea of spending sixty thousand dollars on buying this for my agency. Well, first of all, they don't cost sixty thousand dollars per unit, um, and and like any. Piece I think of that was. I think that was a. I think that's a total. So it's not. Yeah, well, it's it's that's going to be the total amount. Yeah. Well, and and first of all, Chief, uh, the uh, uh, like like any. Hang on one second. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on one second. Just say that part again. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Chief, I'd like to buy some stuff. Uh, let me run an idea past you. Well, first of all, man, with any with any new technology, uh, the the price usually drops with widespread adoption. You know, um, uh, pulse oximeters were were hideously expensive when they were first introduced. Uh, waveform capnography was a very expensive toy when they were first introduced. Um, CPR machines, although I'm, that's a poor example. I really don't think CPR machines are, are, uh, a, a really wise investment for most things. Um, uh, but mechanical CPR devices are becoming, uh, ever more affordable. Um, all sorts of things, 12 lead EKG machines. That was an expensive toy. Uh, what do you need with that? Or, or why do you paramedics need to even know the patient's cardiac rhythm anyway? Why don't you just put a twelve, uh, put a AED on the patient and shock them if they need it? Uh, this, all this kind of stuff is 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 a, a luddite, old school. Uh, why do you you know you newfangled kids need that 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 stuff anyway? Look, chief, if we have. Uh, if we had ultrasound, we would know much more about our patients, both diagnostically and to help guide our interventions. Uh, I looked at our, our uh, IV success rate the other day, particularly on, on uh, shocky patients who, uh, who are hemodynamically unstable that could have used vascular access and vasoactive medications and or um, uh, 
resuscitation fluids, and our IV success rate is only 50%. Ultrasound can help us guide uh, placing our IVs. Um, with ultrasound, we could perhaps even uh, uh, insert pick lines, if that were the case. Um, we can do a lot of things just with, with uh, vascular access with our ultrasound machines. We can do a fast exam and determine whether our patient, uh, potentially determine whether our patient goes to a trauma center uh, that has uh, a wide spectrum of surgical capabilities or whether the patient's belly pain is just that belly pain and it's not a, uh, a potential life-threatening situation and they can go to the, uh, the local uh, community hospital um, and, uh, and be stabilized there or discharged home, uh, potentially that reduces our system burden. It's better for the patients. They go to the hospital that can c care for them. Um, what, uh, what if we had ultrasound to help us, uh, determine whether a patient was truly viable in cardiac arrest or whether this patient that we assumed was in asystole actually was in fine V-fib, okay? or whatever the case may be. Uh, not just that, um, you mentioned your stethoscope chief that helps you diagnose that, that pneumothorax. Well, most physicians will tell you that the stethoscope is increasingly, if not already an obsolete instrument. And the reason it's an obsolete instrument is because we have better diagnostic tools than a stethoscope. And the only reason we still carry them is because it's a medical talisman that makes us look legitimate in the eyes of our patients. Well, he never even listened to my chest. Well, you know, but he did an ultrasound on me that's even more accurate. So there's a whole lot of things that we can do with ultrasound. And I'm not even an ultrasound aficionado, but I know that the the when new technology comes comes about, um, if we just reject it out of hand because we don't think it can do anything for us, we're not even plumbing the depths of what it's capable of. 15 years ago, capnography was considered a tool to confirm endotracheal tube placement. Now, we use it as a, as a surrogate for lactate monitoring and sepsis. We use it as a threshold to determine whether our patients are in DKA or not. We look at it to determine derangements in metabolism and perfusion, as well as ventilation. It's the 12 lead of the lungs. No one would think that, uh, no one would think that it's pointless to use a waveform capnograph on our patients in this day and age. Imagine 10 years from now, people thinking, my God, they didn't even bother to ultrasound that guy. And the darn thing doesn't cost that much money. Why not get an ultrasound? You had me at hello. No, so <laughs> I no, had I, you on mute. That's what it was. It I, I, and I was I was jumping up and down, and I was <laughs> my arms were flailing, and you know, I mean, but everything everything that you said in that argument, right? And let's let's now let's get down to just a little bit of uh, rationalization. Everything that you said in that argument really has nothing to do with changing the course of treatment and care for a patient. Do I need to know that somebody is in fine V-fib or in asystole? I mean, have you really had challenges with knowing that somebody was in fine V-fib first asystole? Um, yes. So what did you do? I mean, did you still work the asystole line or, or did you give up, uh, give up efforts? If somebody's in oh, fine well, V-fib... Well, no, I've shocked asystole most likely. Uh, probably, right? But, not, uh, and, not purposely, but yeah. 
And what's the outcome? What's the metrics? What's the data when it comes to fixing fine V-fib in the field? Is it is the uh, chance that we're getting a, a fine V-fib, we're going to be able to convert that? I mean, maybe, right? I mean, if we're if we're lucky, we get to do that. So when we start to talk about these things that you're bringing up, maybe we can. And and what about this? And it gives me the better opportunity to know. And it's, it's, you know, even if you're in a rural area and I know that somebody is in, you know, one of these examples that you use, does it really change, you know, the course of my treatment? But hang on one second, Kelly, before we get on, I just want to take a little break here. And I think that we've been talking and, and you know, we're having some fun, you know, we're having some disagreement. Mm-hmm. And this is really what EMS is about, right? I mean, yeah. there are many people, there are many clinical coordinators and clinical managers and clinical directors having this argument inside their organization with their EMS leaders, with their medical directors on doing these things. But I I do want to take a a little bit of time out to recognize one of our uh, listeners. They have a peer out there that, uh, you know, they were really concerned about. And I want to go ahead and and send a shout out. You know, one of our fans, Mark Shaw, he sent in an email, uh, you know, to Carrie and Greg that was talking about one of his peers, his co-workers, a paramedic friend named Tony. She recently inhaled some caustic fumes mm. and she was rushed to the hospital and she was intubated and admitted to the ICU. Uh, like most of us in the prevention, you know, in our profession, um, you know, we're type A personalities and we want to do the best that we can for for her and for help. She's got a couple kids. She's got a husband. And this is really a trying time. And uh, we want to go ahead and send a shout out to Tony. We want to thank Mark for sending us that. And there is a GoFundMe page. And we'll see if we can put that in the in the link in the show notes for uh, Tony's recovery to help Tony. Indeed. When it comes to, you know, Kelly, when it comes to us being a family, um, we're going to argue about something that is as trivial as uh, ultrasounds and you know, it doesn't really make the difference. But when we think about the people that are in our lives, that are in our, you know, in our career field, um, if we don't help take care of them, who will? And there's yeah. a lot of people that are out there that, uh, you know, could use uh, some help. One of the things that we're going to start doing here and inside EMS is we want to be able to set up a little bit of our segment uh, of the show that we're eventually going to call... Um, you know, what's going on or something like that. Kelly and I will figure out some creative way. And we want to hear about your peers. We want to send a shout out to your peers. We want to hear about that great program that you have in your organization. We want to hear about uh, somebody that needs some recognition. And we're going to take a little part of our show, whether it's at the beginning or whether it's at the end, and we're going to send a shout out, right? And whether it's your program, whether Mm -hmm. it's your uh, peer, but we're going to look to do that in the coming weeks. But here it is. It starts with you, Mark Shaw. And we want to send a shout out to your coworker and paramedic friend Tony, and we're going to shove that uh, GoFundMe link into the uh, show notes. But Kelly, you know, getting back to this ultrasound thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is one of the things that uh, I think time is going to tell. I am, I am the old, the old guard, right? I do have my mm-hmm. fist in the air saying, "Get off my lawn," and uh, <laughs> I just don't see it, man. And uh, I appreciate the argument. I appreciate the. Uh, I appreciate your side of it. But jump in there with your final thought, and uh, before I throw you out of my office. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Chris. Uh, how, how much EMS field experience do we have between us? Sixty years. You know, About, sixty yeah. years of, of of EMS field experience, and yeah. and. Uh, you know, and I would like to think 60 years of EMS wisdom between us. 
but but the reality is is we're the old guys and 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 EMS is is being is is being practiced by a younger generation and and uh, if we don't embrace these changes uh, we run the risk of being the the old people that the profession leaves behind and and that's the fact that these these uh, providers today are adopting and and utilizing procedures that and and technology that we were never taught and doing it effectively it's a good thing just because we can't see the ability uh, the utility of it doesn't mean that the utility isn't there it just means that we're old and cranky and set in our ways you know if the music's too loud you're too old and what you're doing right now is you're complaining about loud music you know, you might as well say, they don't even play their instruments and you can't understand the words. That's not music <laughs> and that sort of thing. Um, and, and and ended up with the you kids these days. But, but uh, you know, time will tell whether it is a truly a useful pre-hospital tool. Uh, but I don't think that we, we do a service to our profession by just, uh, by just uh, routinely ignoring it or, or refusing to adopt it simply because it's new. We don't know what it is, uh, what, what, uh, how extensive we can use it. Uh, that's the, the problem with any new technology. You don't want to be the very first adopter, but Chris, you, you're also uh, treading toward the other end of the spectrum. You don't want to be the very last adopter of anything either. Um, so th there's a time to, to embrace uh, new technologies and new treatments, uh, especially after other people have already uh, navigated the rocks and shoals of putting those things into place. Uh, and and pre-hospital ultrasound is hardly a new thing. And there are other places out there that have already uh, demonstrated its utility in their systems. So, but hey, that's what we think. That's what I think. I don't care what you think, but I do care what our readers and listeners think. Give us your thoughts. Is pre-hospital ultrasound a wave of the future? Is it still an, just an expensive toy that we can do uh, better things with the money than, than spend it on ultrasound? Or do you find it truly useful in your practice? We'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Cavallaro, who would really like us to get off his lawn, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week.